Embarrassing. Embarrassing, 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 embarrassing. I can't say it enough. Sabres lose in Chicago. Break it down next. You're locked on Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day, free and available wherever you get your podcast. Sneaky Joe DiBiase here on today's show. I got some snark running through my blood right now. If you can't already tell after an embarrassing loss to Chicago by the Buffalo Sabres in a game that I said going into it was the must, what did I call it? The biggest must win. Did I call it the easiest game of the season? Whatever I called it. It's a game the Sabres needed to win. They did not, and the nature in which they did not is kind of amazing. So we'll break it down here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast, recap the game a bit. I got one thing from around the league to get to uh, in Philadelphia. Ivan Provorov, I've got thoughts on that that I want to get to later on in today's show. And in the middle portion, before we get to that, we'll look at the standings. The standings are being kind to the Sabres. As the Sabres have dropped the ball a bit, They're hanging around because other teams are not putting them away. So that's coming up as well here on today's show. At Sneaky Joe Sports to follow me on Twitter. If you want to get a hold of the podcast account, be sure to do it at Locked on Sabres. And if you would like to watch the show, you are able to do that on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, type in Locked on Sabres in the search bar, and you will find the show. Uh, you can drop a comment in there if you would, if you like. You can uh, throw a subscription or a subscribe in there as well. A um, couple of the comments that I saw uh, from uh, the podcast um, talking about Patrick Kane. Kane should. This is from Hey Five Six Five Three. Kane should would have to give us a nice hometown discount, bring Stanley Cup experience, but his game is kind of meh. At this age, I guess that's about right. I got, I don't care too much about the Stanley cup experience. Uh, when you're late in your career like this, meh at this age, I, he's a little better than meh, but I, I get it. Hometown discount. Um, I don't know that that's going to happen. That's why maybe it doesn't happen, but Patrick Kane, uh, to the Sabres. If you want more expanded thoughts on that, be sure to check out our last episode. I don't think he will take a hometown discount. So maybe that means to you, they won't do it. I'm still, uh, I'm not so confident. Um, a, a couple other people, you know, Lucas Young on our, our YouTube channel. He likes the idea of signing Patrick Kane. Um, f- another listener says he doesn't like the idea. So let me know what you think. Uh, if you got thoughts on it, it was pretty close to 50, 50 before we get into the Sabres lost in Chicago, some news to get to on the Sabres from Wednesday afternoon, the Sabres have waived forward Vinny Hino Stroza. They have waived Vinny Hino Stroza. I have not liked the season that he has had. And that is after, I think, I openly campaigned for the Sabres to re-sign him in the offseason. I think maybe once the number crunch started to become a little bit more clear at the position, I may have backed off that a little bit. But I liked Vinny with the Sabres last season. 13 goals, 12 assists, 25 points in 62 games as a bottom six player. To me... I call them multiple times the modern day perfect bottom six winger. 
He could put the puck in the back of the net. He's going to give you double-digit goals. He's super fast on the forecheck. He is great at pressuring opponents defensively. He's small, right? 5'10", 177. But I don't want big, lumbering, slow guys in my bottom six anymore. I want speed, and I want forecheck. And that is something that Hinnestroza gives you. But part of that, of his being a great bottom six player, is he could chip in. He could give you a goal here and there. 13 goals last season. He had 16 goals with the Coyotes in 2019. That's the kind of production you need. And yeah, he's only played 19 games this season, but zero goals. Zero goals on 23 shots. A 0.0 shooting percentage after being at 14.1% last season. To me, the Sabres have been so incredibly healthy all year at forward, and they've been doing this old song and dance when it comes to sending a guy down just for the day, paper transaction, he doesn't really go to Rochester, you call him back up, and he plays the next game. It seems like that is a, a victimless crime. You know, the Sabres want three goaltenders right now, right? They want Uka Pekalukin and Craig Anderson and Eric Comrie all on the roster. So what they've been doing to avoid putting anybody through waivers is yesterday, Peyton Krebs, or the day before, two days ago, Peyton Krebs go gets sent down to Rochester. And then the next day to play the game, he gets called up. So he goes down for a day and there's really no impact to it. That happened with Jack Quinn uh, a couple of times where he was sent down for a day, called back up, and then he played. Lukanen sent it down, called up, and then plays. There is an impact financially to these players to doing that. It is not a victimless crime, the Sabres, you know, doing these cap gymnastics. Kyle Stitch, who is a very good uh, hockey analytics writer, um, actually works in, in, a, in, a, in an analytics firm uh, for in, in sports analytics, AF, AFP Analytics. He, big Sabres fan, he's active on Sabres Twitter. He tweeted out a couple of days ago that these movements have major financial impacts on players that are sent down. Jack Quinn gets paid daily about $4,500 in the NHL and $400 in the AHL. So essentially, if what Kyle's saying is right, which I believe he is correct in saying this, every day that a Jack Quinn is sent down, it's costing him $4,000 a day. That's not nothing to these guys. These guys are not on... Josh Allen, $50 million a year contracts. Jack Quinn, I mean, yeah, he's living comfortably, I'm sure, but makes a million bucks a year. And for a hockey player, he's at the he's at the bottom of the totem pole still on that when it comes to entry-level contracts. So $4,000 a day, yeah, it doesn't really seem like the most fair system. Um, and Henestrosa being waived, I think he probably gets claimed. I think this will solve the issue. I think Henestrosa will get claimed um, and will, you know, go play in the bottom six somewhere else. Maybe one of his former teams. Chicago needs forwards. Uh, Arizona needs guys. Some of these teams at the bottom of the standings. I think Hinnestroza is going to get claimed, especially when his cap hits only $1.7 million. So I'm guessing that is it for his Sabres career. But I guess we will see on Thursday afternoon whether or not Vinny clears. So we'll take a timeout here when we come back. Break the game down against Chicago. It's not a fun one to break down. I cannot believe this team lost on Tuesday night in Chicago at United Center. That is ahead here on the Lockdown Sabres podcast with Joe DiBiase. We are brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Pro football, 
college basketball, NBA. You got major soccer leagues kicking back up. They've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They are the fastest and easiest way to get your betting information. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Joe DiBiase back here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. The Sabres lose to Chicago. I can't believe it still happened. Four to three in overtime. Despite the fact Buffalo led three to one heading into the third period. And three to two heading into the final minute of play. You cannot lose that game to that opponent. That opponent is on pace for 52 points. You have a two-goal lead in the third period. You're out shooting them a, a billion to one. It's like 28 to 11, really. You can't lose that hockey game. You cannot lose that hockey game. The Sabres got outplayed in the third period. They gave up a lot of scoring chances back on their heels. It really reminded me of that loss or that win they had in overtime in Detroit uh, a couple of months ago where they blew a three-goal lead in the third period because this team, it's one thing they do not do well, and I wish Don Granado would stop leaning into it. Whenever This happens in hockey everywhere. When you have a lead like that, you sit back. You sit on your heels and you let the team come at you, the other team come at you and come at you, come at you. When in reality, the Sabres cannot play that way. They are not good at playing park-the-bus style hockey. They don't have the defensemen to do it. They don't have the goaltending to do it. And they don't have the defensive forwards to do it either. Look at their penalty kill. They use everybody in the penalty kill. There could be some strategy behind that. I think part of the reason why is they don't have any specialty defensive players. Dylan Cousins is great as a two-way in his own end. Uh, Rasmus Asplund is very good in his own end. Kyle Poso and Gergensen are good in their own end. And that's about it. Those four. That's only a that's a that's a third of your uh, forward group, and there they are at the end of the game on their heels, dead tired, and there is Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck, and Jeff Skinner. That is a line that is designed to score goals. They do not throw themselves in front of shots. I don't want them to, but they do not. I, I get it on some level. The reach of Tuck, the reach of uh, Thompson, is a weapon in your own end. Skinner doesn't do a lot for you. I guess I get it on the reach point of things, but. Watch back that final goal and how embarrassing it is from the Sabres end of things. They have five guys on the ice. All five are watching the point man. All five are watching the puck. The guy that ends Connor Murphy, I believe is the player who ends up shooting the puck through traffic. Watch when he has the puck at the point. All five Buffalo Sabres are staring at him. Puck watching. No awareness of what is going on around them. They're all in decent position, but none of them have any awareness of what's going on around them. And the shot comes through, and it goes through because it's a wrist shot from the point, and nobody's in a shot lane. And it gets to Craig Anderson. Might have been deflected on the way through. Uh, I forgot, actually, if they gave the credit to anybody on that goal, and they did not. Seth Jones. So Seth Jones is a clean wrist shot through, but there was a screen in front. That play. Just the puck watching. What Three Chicago forwards are behind the last Sabres defenseman. If you're a soccer fan, you know, in offsides in soccer is you cannot be behind the last defender. This was triple soccer offside by Chicago. They had three forwards behind the last Sabre defenseman. Uh, Darlene and Samuelson were the two at the bottom. It's just such a bad job. It's bad defensive awareness by those five. 
and the Sabres being on their heels that whole period just led to it. It built up and built up. The pressure kept coming, and the Sabres weren't able to survive because they're not a very good defensive hockey team. I would want my team to keep pushing the envelope, keep trying to score, take chances. That's how you got to outscore your mistakes. Doc Renato talks about that all the time. Teams like Tampa over the years are able to outscore their mistakes. The Sabres need to try to outscore their mistakes, outscore their way even out of games that they have the lead. I don't think they are a team capable of playing back on their heels like they've tried to a couple of times and failed this year. So horrible job. Uh, Seth Jones getting that goal, 9.04 mark of the third period, and then Seth Jones again charging the net in overtime, puts it away, and Chicago wins it in overtime. But again, just the idea that the Sabres led 3-1 to one going into the third period and did not put that game away against that opponent, 9-15. That can't be the record, right? 9-15-1? That ain't right. Um, where the heck is it? 12, 26, and four. There we go. 12, 26, and four. You cannot lose to that hockey team. It is such a bad team. I can't I can't believe that they did it. I just can't believe that they did it. Uh, Goathead of the night. I got to give it to somebody. Goathead of the night for the player of the game on the Sabres end of things. And I am going to give it to Jack Quinn. I thought Jack Quinn had a very strong game. He's had a couple of strong games since going up into the press box. Um, shot attempts for the Sabres when... Jack Quinn was on the ice, 14-4 to in favor of the Sabres at 5-on-5. Five five. He had a team-high 84% uh, expected goals for. He had a couple of very quality scoring opportunities. There was one where he toe-dragged around the defenseman, cut to the middle, and then the shot was right in the gut of, um, of Chicago goaltender um, uh, Peter Mrazek, right into the gut. So the shot wasn't great, but he made a bunch of nice plays like that throughout the night. I was very impressed with Quinn. His speed was good. He showed some tenacity, throwing his body around, creating scoring opportunities, both as a playmaker and as a shooter. I thought Quinn was the best saber on the night. The advanced numbers would back that up, but I thought he was very good. All right, we can move past this game. It's It's sickening. It's sickening that they lost this game. We'll take a timeout when we come back. A sail across the Atlantic. What happened around the Sabres in the standings? And also what happened in Philadelphia pertaining to Ivan Provorov, who we talked about recently on this show. This is for a very different reason. So we'll get to that when we come back as well here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Sabres podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. All right, let's take a sail across the Atlantic division and across the Eastern conference in general. So in the Eastern conference on Tuesday night, uh, Montreal beats Winnipeg. Not we're too worried about them. Some good news on the Florida Panthers front who has a couple of more points in the Sabres, but have played more games. Toronto beats Florida in overtime five to four. Um, and then the Red Wings lose in Arizona to the Coyotes. That's a tough loss four to three, uh, in favor of the Yotes. Elsewhere, Washington loses again. Okay, Washington. Let's start looking at the Capitals a little bit, shall we? The Capitals lose to Minnesota 4-2. to two. They have now lost six of their last ten. They are really struggling. And they're an older team, so I wonder if they're going to be, be able to hang in the second half of this season or if they run out, run out of gas. The Capitals have played 47 games. The Sabres have played 43. So... They are nine points ahead of the Sabres, but they've played four more games. That is the team the Sabres have the most games in hand on. So you win, you win, you know, get what? What do you want for this? Five of a possible eight with your uh, your games in hand. 
and you're four points back. So you're live. You're live when it comes to Washington, but you got to win at least a few of those games in hand. Now, as the standings look, Pittsburgh has struggled a bit. Only three wins in their last 10. The Islanders only have four wins in their last 10. Florida's only won five of their last 10. Everybody is kind of allowing the Sabres to hang around. The Sabres have lost five of six. You know, they are not, they are not playing well at all. Um, but they're not getting killed for it in the standings because Florida's not playing well, the Islanders are not playing well, Penguins aren't playing well, and neither are the Capitals. And those are the teams that are right above the Sabres um, with two spots to play. Those are the five teams with two spots to play. So, what do we have coming on Wednesday night? Well, the Pittsburgh Penguins face the Ottawa Senators. That's a a 7 o'clock puck drop on Wednesday night. So, go Ottawa in that one. And then the Islanders have a very tough matchup at home, but against the Boston Bruins, who are incredible this season. Best team in hockey by far. 13-4-1 on the road, even. Uh, That's a 7.30 puck drop on TNT. So, go Boston in that game. Hope they can give the Sabres some help. Last thing on today's show, I wanted to bring up what happened in Philadelphia with Ivan Provorov, Flyers defenseman Ivan Provorov. And if this is not a story you are up to speed on, essentially what happened was the Philadelphia Flyers, as a part of the National Hockey League's league-wide initiative of Hockey is for Everybody, had Pride Night, LGBTQ plus Pride Night. They were wearing custom, you know, special Flyers uniforms with a rainbow flag in the middle of the Flyers logo. And Ivan Provorov, a Russian defenseman for the Flyers, if if that matters, he's Russian Orthodox, uh, and that will matter for his reasoning in a moment. He decided not to wear those uniforms and to not skate with the team in warmups. And then he went on in postgame when asked about this to say that he did it for religious purposes as he is Russian Orthodox and to go on that he respects everybody. And that is to me what really rubbed me the wrong way. When, when Ivan Provorov decided to tell everybody that, Oh, I just want to make sure everybody knows I respect everybody. I respect everybody and their beliefs. And what Provorov is doing in that moment is he's essentially He's he's showing his disrespect towards a group of people, even if he is doing it subconsciously. And when he not when when he makes that comment, when he chooses not to wear the jersey, he's not doing that subconsciously. That is blatant disrespect, and he's got to know that that is the way that that is going to be taken. You cannot say that you respect everybody while simultaneously disrespecting a group of people. Provorov, in his comments, almost sounds like he does not consider that the people in the LGBTQ plus community to be a part of everyone. And that to me is all you need to know about Provorov in this situation, that he does not consider the LGBTQ plus community to be a part of his everybody. And that is, that is a player that is hiding behind his religion to disrespect a group of people and to tell them hockey's not for you. I know this league-wide initiative, hockey is for everybody, but I I don't think it's for you. I, Ivan Provorov, do not believe hockey is for you. That is exactly what he is saying when he chooses not to wear that jersey. And then there's John Tortorella. John Tortorella, very, very hypocritical on this night. And I'm not sure I'd expect much more from a John Tortorella in this spot. Not exactly 
to me, the type of the type of man that you would want faced with this situation and the type of man you would want to be a leader in this situation. John Tortorella took the easy right took the easy road out. John Tortorella decided I am going to give you the token answer of I respect everybody's beliefs. I respect Ivan Provorov's beliefs and I never even thought of not playing him, which to me, by the way, is exactly what you should have done. You're playing on pride night. You're trying to show the community of Philadelphia, LGBTQ and plus, and the rest of the national hockey league in the world that hockey is for everybody. It's the name of the initiative. You can't have that guy play on that night when he decides not to wear that Jersey. You cannot have that happen. And then there's John Tortorella in that spot who says, I never even thought to not play him. John Tortorella, seven years ago, when he was the head coach of Team USA at the World Cup of Hockey, when Colin Kaepernick in the National Football League was kneeling in protest of police brutality, not the country, but of police brutality in the country. When that was happening in sports, John Tortorella said he would bench players at the World Cup that knelt for the anthem. And now he's saying, I'm not going to bench somebody for a protest. So here's Tortorella talking out of both sides of his mouth. And then there is the league. The league comes out and they release a very, very uh, cowardly statement, if you ask me. The quote in the statement from the National Hockey League, hockey is for everyone Hockey is for everyone is the umbrella initiative under which the league encourages clubs to celebrate the diversity that exists in their respective markets and to work to achieve more welcoming and inclusive environments for all fans. Clubs decided whom to celebrate when and how with league council and support players are free to decide which initiatives to support. And we continue to encourage their voices and perspectives and social and cultural issues. Pick apart that statement for a moment. Just the words, Clubs decide whom to celebrate, when and how. That's the NHL, as they typically would, not stepping to the plate and passing off responsibility onto the clubs. Very typical NHL fashion. A very typical Gary Bettman fashion to ignore a problem and to pass it off onto somebody else. And in this moment, it is a problem. It's a horrible, even if it's from PR standpoint, it's a horrible look for the league. This statement to me, All it says to me is that hockey is for everyone. It's just hockey is for everyone unless a player disagrees. That's the NHL standpoint. Hockey's not for everybody, or else they would have come out against what Ivan Provorov did. They didn't. And to me, what that says is the hockey is for everyone initiative in the National Hockey League is clearly, clearly just a PR stunt by the NHL. And if they truly cared about what they were selling, this statement would sound a lot different. And it would come out against what Ivan Provorov did on Tuesday night. And the NHL didn't do that. It is the least surprising thing from the least progressive league in sports that they would take this stance and not do anything about it. The team didn't do anything about it. And meanwhile, you've got hockey fans out there that, are being told throughout the year, hey, hockey is for you. And now I've got Ivan Provorov telling you to your face, it's not for you. And the NHL and the Flyers stand back and let him say it.
It's exactly what happened on Tuesday night in Philadelphia. It is gross, and it is absolutely flabbergasting and disgusting to me. Um, just by everybody involved. Just no leadership whatsoever. And, you know, that's, I guess, the synopsis of my thoughts on it. I would encourage you to go check out Rachel Donner's podcast of Lockdown Flyers. She has a very good perspective on this issue. She was very thoughtful about it, and I would encourage you to go check out the Lockdown Flyers podcast and her Twitter at our uh, Miriam uh, to check out her thoughts on it because she she will do a better job uh, at it than, than I will for sure. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening to today's show. Uh, we've got Ryan Miller night on Thursday night. Ryan Miller night, which means – Thursday's show is going to be a lot about Ryan Miller, my favorite memories of Miller. Um, and I think Thursday is going to be a really cool night to be in the arena. So it's a good one. It's one of the nights of the year. And I can't wait to talk about it next time here on the locked on Sabres podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Now gonna make your next listen locked on NHL podcasts, uh, NHL prospects, all the latest on young players throughout the league coming up through the system, including some Sabres prospects, and uh, all the way from now until the NHL draft. Locked on NHL prospects, wherever you you can get that, wherever you may be listening to this podcast, Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on YouTube. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on Locked on Sabres.